Hello and welcome to Worship from Schweitzer. I'm Pastor Jason. We're so glad that you've tuned in, that you're joining us in worship today. If this is your first time, we'd love to know that you're here. If you just check in with us, send us uh, some information, we'll send you a Starbucks gift card. You'll have a great time. Today, we're continuing in our series on the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is one of those documents that, that helped shape the early church. And one of those things that I, I love about the creeds is that another one came along called the Nicene Creed. And St. Athanasius, who I'm, I've got on the front of my shirt, he helps write, compose that as a gift to the church to say, what do we understand about God? What is, how has God revealed himself to us? That's really what the apostles, the Nicene Creeds, those documents of the early church really help us with, knowing God and how we can follow God. If you've been joining us for a while, if you'd like to go deeper with the sermon series, we'd invite you to go to schweitzer.church next. You'll find a lot of resources to dig in and grow deeper in your faith. Next up is Stephanie, and she's gonna share with us some things that are happening right in, in an immediate fashion and how we can connect with others at Schweitzer. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Parents, if you are ready for a night out, be sure to sign up for our R&R night coming up on Friday, February 25th from 6.30 to 8.15 p.m. Our Schweitzer Kids staff will hang out with your kids while you enjoy some time for you. Be sure to sign up by this Wednesday to secure your spot at schweitzer.church kids. Ash Wednesday is coming up on March 2nd, and this year we will have an in-person service in the sanctuary at 6 p.m. This will be a very special time together as we enter the Lenten season. The service will be less than an hour and will include music, a short message, and the imposition of the ashes. We look forward to seeing you there. Beginning on Sunday, March 6th at 2.30, we're starting a grief support group here at Schweitzer called Grief Share. Through this study, you'll discover tools and encouragement to help you navigate grief following the loss of a loved one. The group is led by a group of caring people who have also experienced grief and are there to support you as you heal. You can find out more today and ask more questions by stopping by the table in our lobby, or you can find out more at schweitzer.church slash griefshare. If you're looking for a small group to connect with, we have several new ones beginning soon, including a women's group exploring the Lord's Prayer. We also have a new book study called Be the Bridge, which will touch on racial reconciliation and what that looks like in our community. That group begins on March 6th at 6.30 in the Fellowship Center. You can find out much more about all of the groups that are available here at Schweitzer by going to schweitzer.church next. We are so grateful that you've chosen to join us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. If you're worshiping with us live today, we'd encourage you to say hello in the chat. And if you'd like prayer, you can hit the prayer button and somebody would be happy to pray with you. Now, let's enter into worship with this song. Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. 
time, every time, every time. Upon the mountain, when Milot spoke, out of his mouth came fire and smoke. Looked all around me, it looked so fine. I asked the Lord if all was mine. Oh, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Oh, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Oh, Jordan River, so chilly and cold, it chills the body, not the soul. When Satan tempts me, it's all in vain. With my Lord Jesus, I remain. Oh, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Oh, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will. Every time, every time, I will pray. Friends, we're coming to a time of prayer. And today, in the Apostles' Creed where we're at, we're going to be talking about the church. And so I'd like to invite you into a step process of praying, um, four different steps of praying for the church. So as we begin our prayer time today, remember that the Lord loves us, He cares about us, and He welcomes us into His very presence to share with Him what's on our hearts. So as we do that, let's speak to the Lord about our gratefulness for the church that has been, for the church that has been through the ages that has brought to us the message of Christ. Maybe there's a particular church that you'd like to, to speak to the Lord about, or maybe there are people from the church, because the church really is the, the people of God, that you would like to remember to the Lord how they have carried the faith and they've, they've shared it with you. Let's give the Lord thanks for those people. Next up is the present church. Um, you and I, we get to be a part of what is happening with and through Schweitzer. So today, we want to remember Schweitzer to the Lord, the church of Schweitzer. So let us give thanks for what God is doing with us and through us. Um, let's give the Lord thanks for Schweitzer today. Next is the global church. As we worship here, we know that there are people, followers of Christ all over the world that are worshiping in all kinds of different places and buildings and times. They have different names in front of their church, like they're different brands, but there are people that love Christ and are seeking after Him. And some of those folks, they have hard times and some of those folks are having great times. But let us remember 
our global brothers and sisters to the Lord today. Let's pray for the global church. And finally, we want to pray about the future church. That is, we want to be faithful with the, with the things that the Lord has entrusted in, to us. And we want to pass the grand deposit of the gospel onto the future inhabitants of this world that the Lord created. So let's pray for the future church and the future that the Lord is asking us to play in that role. Let's pray together. Kind Father, we've been praying about the church, speaking to you about the church. We give you great praise and thanks for the way that the church has carried the message of Christ to us, to our day, and has conveyed the saving power of Jesus to us, that we get to be a part of your work now and in this world. Um, we pray that you give us wisdom, and we pray that you give us compassion and mercy and courage for all that you'd like the church to be and do in this present moment, for the future and for our brothers and sisters around the world. And as you speak to us and you lead us and guide us, we wanna be reminded of and we wanna pray that prayer that you taught your disciples. So when, together with one voice we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Over the whole course of time, one of the acts that the people of God have taken up as an act of expression of worship is the giving of tithes and offerings. Even way back in the Old Testament book of Genesis, when Abraham meets the priest on what we would today call Jerusalem, he gives a tithe, an offering, to reflect that the Lord has done something good and there's in, in my life, and there's something that I must give back to the Lord. So the act of giving is a part of worship. And the Lord takes those gifts and he does all kinds of incredible things with them. And one of those incredible things that we get to see and happens on the campus at Schweitzer in Springfield is Grodano Preschool. And we want to share with you some good things happening at Grodano. Let's take a watch. Hi, my name is Jane Repke. I'm the director of Grodano Preschool here at Schweitzer. I'm here to tell you about something that is fabulous that's going on in our part of the world. Your generosity and ability to share space with us has allowed us to create a magnificent space for children to grow and learn. We have two rooms upstairs that we are using. One is called a STEAM room, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And in that space, we have plants that are growing. We have blocks where kids can be engineers. 
We will have microscopes where they can see science in action. We have fish. We have all sorts of things where art can be messy. It's a great room. The second room is our music and a literacy room, a library, where kids can come and look at books, can sit in little chairs. We will have a listening station, books on tape, instruments, just a place where kids can learn and be a part of things. We are so, so excited for this space. Once again, I wanna thank all of you for your generosity and support as we help children to grow and learn in this very, very fun space. You can continue the act of worship through giving by going to Schweitzer.church/give or by using the Schweitzer Church app. And now let's take a listen to week seven of the Apostles' Creed. Let's dive in. I believe in God, believe the, Father God Almighty, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, welcome today. I'm so glad that you've joined us. My name is Spencer. Uh, this is part seven of our series on the Apostles' Creed. That's part seven of eight. So we're almost at the end of this series where we've been going through the Apostles' Creed, which is this basic confession of Christian faith. I mean, the Apostles' Creed is what all Christians at all times and all places have believed. And so we've just been walking through this really line by line, section by section, asking two simple questions. What do we believe and why? What do we believe and why? Today, we're nearing the end, so we're in the last section of the creed. The last section of the creed goes like this. We say that I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's the last section of the creed. Sometimes you read this last section, uh, you know, there's obviously a ton in this last section, but sometimes when you read this last section, it's almost as if is if there's a whole bunch of add-ons that are at the end of the Apostles' Creed. So it's like, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I also believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Oh, don't forget about the communion of saints. Oh yeah, I, for, forgiveness of sins. What else, what else, what else? Resurrection of the body. It's almost as if you're just doing these add-ons at the end of the creed. And sometimes it can feel like it's just disjointed and it's just this list of things that don't really uh, connect together at all. But another way to think about this last section of the creed is that everything that we just read, everything we say in this last section is really about the new life that we have in Christ. It's about the experience that we have following Jesus and what he's, what he's done in our life. And the thing that really holds this together is the first line of this section where we say that I believe in the Holy Spirit. Because everything that we have in the new life in Christ is through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. This is God's gift given to us, God's presence in our life that we have through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is at work in us and 
building us and changing us and transforming us and, and leading us into this new life that we have in, in Jesus. And so as we, as we go through this last section, we're not really just talking about these you know, disjointed lists. We've really got this new life that we have in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to see this week and next week as we talk about this last section is this is the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us to build a new life that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, today, as we um, go through this, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Last week, we said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at the next two lines right after that, which are this, that we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. That's where we're going today, the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And uh, as we do this, you know, the Apostles' Creed, is we're going to talk about these two things. We're going to talk first about the church, and then we're going to talk about the communion of saints. As we talk about the church first, you know, the Apostles' Creed has two words that uh, we really need to focus in on as we think about the church and the work of the church and, and what it is that we believe about the church. And those two words may trip us up a little bit because we're not quite sure what to do with them. And those two words are these, um, holy and Catholic. I believe in the holy Catholic church. What does that mean to believe in the holy Catholic church? So let's talk about those two words. We'll start with the word holy. How is the church holy? Well, a great place to see this is Acts chapter 2 in the Bible. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open and follow along with us. Acts chapter 2 is actually what we read last week too when we, when we were talking about the Holy Spirit because Acts chapter 2 tells the, the, about the gift of the Holy Spirit as it's given to the church on the very first day that the church exists, the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and tongues of fire and there's 120 Christians in the entire world and the Holy Spirit comes on them and, and they leave this room that they're in, these 120 people, and they go out into the streets and they begin to uh, declare, proclaim the goodness of God to all these people who are gathered there in this miraculous gift of languages. And, and as they do this, the Bible says that 3,000 people come to faith that day, which I, like, I'm not good at math, but that percentage is incredible. Really, really good first day. And so there, all these people are coming to faith or they're, they're being saved and, and the church has, has come about. And this is the story of Acts chapter two. That's how it starts. Well, it ends with maybe not quite as glamorous of a description, but what it ends with is, is also really, really important to understand the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives as well. And so I want to read to you the end of Acts chapter 2. Again, not as glamorous as the gift of tongues and uh, 3,000 people coming to faith, but so, 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 so important. So let's start reading in verse 41. Here's what it says. It says, Those who accepted his message, that is Peter's message, as he's given this first Christian sermon that day, those who accepted his message were baptized and about, listen, 3,000 were added to their number that day. So what happens now with these new believers, these 3,000 new people who have come to faith, they're baptized now, what happens now? Here's verse 42, listen to this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So four things there, uh, apostolic teaching, that is the teaching of the Bible. The Bible is apostolic teaching. And so we have that, the apostolic teaching. They devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves uh, to, to fellowship. Uh, the Greek word there, koinonia, we talk about that a lot, that it's the common sharing of life. It's, it's sharing our lives with other people, building meaningful relationships with others, being accountable to others, sharing in the burdens of life with one another. That's what fellowship is. Um, the breaking of bread, which another way to think about that is the sacraments. You think about communion and, and how we share in that meal together. And then finally prayer, that, that the church is together in prayer. You might think about worship and how, and how that functions. And you see here the, the very beginning of the church, this description of how the church functions. You see these kind of four actions of, of apostolic biblical teaching and fellowship and uh, the breaking of bread and prayer. And, and you see here, this is really what the church is called to do. I mean, it's a really simple recipe that this is what makes 
You know, the church, the church. But sometimes we forget this and sometimes we like to add things on to this as if other things become really, really vital to who we are. Like sometimes we start to think that maybe certain activities or ministries or agendas are, are, are really important or maybe worship styles or denominations and these kinds of things become like, like equal to this. But when you look at what the church does in the scripture, I'm like, this is what we're called to do. It's a really simple formula of teaching and growing and being together and, uh, and seeking the Lord together. And this is what we have. So let's keep reading here. This is verse 42. Here's verse 43. It says, Everyone is filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And here's this incredible description of what we have um, in the church. And, and as you read this, it becomes really clear um, why it is that we say that the church is holy. The, the church is holy. As you see what's going on here, this, this Acts chapter 2, it begins with the birth of the church, this gift of uh, the Holy Spirit that's poured out into the church, and then it ends with this uh, description of how the church functions. And the common denominator from beginning to end is one thing, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to the church. The Holy Spirit is working in the church. And because the Holy Spirit is, is the beginning and the end of the church, it is the way we function, it is how we inter- interact with one another and God. This is why the church is holy. The church is holy, not because of its leaders, not because of its people, not because we get everything right, but simply because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. God's very presence is at work in us. The church isn't about us. It's about him. And so therefore, the church is holy. But let's be honest. Sometimes, just sometimes, it doesn't feel like the church is all that holy, does it? I mean, you don't need to be a member of a church for very long to experience difficulty in church. Fights and conflicts and hypocrisy, and power dynamics, and it does, doesn't take very long. You don't have to be very involved. You can just sometimes just be an observer of the church, and it becomes very clear that, that sometimes the church doesn't feel all that holy. And certainly we could like pass a microphone around on a Sunday morning and we could all tell stories about how maybe we've experienced the unholiness of the church, ways that maybe we've been burned or hurt by the church, because all of us have stories that are like that and we've experienced that and we've seen this. And so you're sometimes left scratching your head. It's like, I, I know I say I believe in the holy Catholic church, but sometimes it just, it just doesn't feel holy. The great Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite writers, authors, pastors, he describes his experience in the church like this. I want to read this to you. I think it's so wise and so good. Here's what Eugene Peterson says. He says, every time I move to a new community, I find a church close by and join it, committing myself to worship and work with that company of God's people. And then listen to this next line. I've never been anything other than disappointed (laughs) because sometimes the church doesn't feel holy. He goes on, he says, everyone turns out to be biblical through and through. Murmurers, complainers, the faithless, the inconsistent, those plagued with doubt and riddled with sin, boring moralizers, glamorous secularizers. And every once in a while, though, a shaft of blazing beauty seems to break out of nowhere and illuminate these Companies and I and I see what my sin dulled eyes had missed, 
Word of God shaped, Holy Spirit created lives of sacrificial humility, incredible courage, heroic virtue, holy praise, joyful suffering, constant prayer, persevering obedience. I love this description of the church because you sometimes have these two experiences that take place. On one hand, you see church as it really is. You see sinful people who gather together to be together and to be a community together, and they, and they often get it wrong. And then you also see these, as he calls it, these shaft of blazing beauty, these incredible moments of faith and joy and hope that you find through the church. And this is, of course, what you see in Scripture as well. I mean, think about how this church is written about in Scripture. On one hand, you have these incredible, beautiful descriptions of the church as the people of God, the body of Christ. I mean, I think about verses like this. Um, This is Ephesians chapter one. I mean, listen to how beautiful the church is described here in Ephesians chapter one. It says, God placed all things under his feet, that is Jesus's feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And I just think that's an incredible uh, couple verses we just read there because you get this sense that uh, the church is like this extension of the power of God that we see in the risen Jesus Christ. And it's just absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. And, and it's, a, it's a big thought that's just, it's hard to contain how big that the description of the church is. Or I think about another example of this. Uh, you got uh, another verse from Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 16. Again, listen to how the church is described here. Um, it says, from him, that is Jesus, the whole body, the church, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Oh my goodness, I love that. There's this picture of the body of Christ as these supporting ligaments, like holding together with one another and supporting each other. And together we grow in love as God wants us to. And I read verses like that. I'm like, ah, I want to be part of that. Sign me up for that. That's what I want to do. And and that's certainly how the Bible describes the church. Like at times it is this incredible description of God's people. But then there's other verses in the Bible that describe the other side of the church. And they write about the church in a completely opposite way. I mean, listen to this. This is Romans 16. It's Paul. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. He's talking about life in the church and these people who bring divisions and obstacles. And you're like, you need to stay away from them. That is, that is harmful. And, and, and so that you have these, this sense that within the background of, of the church are sometimes divisions and conflicts. Here's another example. This is a classic example from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, again, this is Paul. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, because there are divisions among you. That's why he has to say that. But that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He goes on, he says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. You're fighting with each other. He goes on, he says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow, I follow Christ. And so you have this description here of, 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 the, of a church that is at war with one another, with these factions that have joined up. People follow Paul and people follow Peter. I mean, there's all these factions that are, that are starting to join up. And so sometimes you, you get this sense that, oh my goodness, the church, 
while it's called to be God's people, this body that, that we have together, sometimes, sometimes the, the church doesn't feel holy in the slightest bit. Like you have, you have both, uh, both things happening where you have this beautiful community that is formed uh, to worship and to serve and to grow together. And then at the same time, sometimes they really let you down. And some of you, you've got scars that testify to this, where you've been hurt or burnt by the church. And, and certainly we all have stories of where we've seen the church be less than faithful, less than holy. And so sometimes, sometimes to say that you believe in the holy Catholic church is an act of willful faith because it doesn't look like it, but I have to still affirm that this is a holy thing. And this is what really we see in Acts chapter two. The reason why we can affirm that the church is holy isn't because its leaders are perfect. I mean, they're certainly not. It isn't because the people of the church are perfect. I mean, we're sinners. All of us are. And in fact, all through the, the New Testament, you've got these instances of, of sinful people, uh, divisions and quarrels and fights from the very beginning. So that's not why we're holy. We're not holy because we always are righteous and moral. And we get everything right. We're, we're holy because this is what God sees in us. Just like how individually we are holy, not because we are perfect in morality and we're perfect in following Christ and in his faithfulness, we're holy because this is what God says about us. This is how God sees us. This is the sacrifice that Jesus has done, that he's covered us, and, and now we are holy because this is him at work in us. In the same way, the church is holy, not because of us, but because the Holy Spirit is among us. That when we gather together, it is his presence that is, that is with us. And this is why we affirm that the church is holy because he is with us. So it brings us to the second word. When we say that we believe in the holy Catholic Church. And certainly over the years, this has probably been the biggest question that I've gotten about the Apostles' Creed. What does it mean to say that we are Catholic? I mean, what does, what does that mean? And so first of all, I just want you to notice that when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, that is a lowercase c on the word Catholic. We are not saying that we believe in the Roman Catholic Church, right? I'm not Roman Catholic. We're not affirming the Roman Catholic Church. That's not what it means at all. Uh, instead, the word Catholic, what it really means is an old, old word. And the word just simply means universal. Another way to think, it's common. It's, uh, it's general. That's what the word means to say that you believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the universal church is what we're saying there. Another way, another way to say this is that we believe that the church is for everyone. That's really also what we're saying, that we believe that this is a Catholic church that is available and open to absolutely everyone. I think about what Paul writes in uh, Galatians chapter three about the church. Listen to this. Galatians chapter three, Paul says this. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the church. We are Catholic because we welcome everyone to come and to be part of our community. And you don't have to be a certain ethnicity, a certain race, speak a certain language, be a certain gender. Certainly the only thing that binds us together is that we have faith in Christ. That is what binds us together. And so we believe that the church is Catholic because it's for absolutely everyone. And just think about some of the ways that the church is Catholic. I mean, we have a message, for instance, that is incredibly Catholic. 
that, that salvation is for everyone, that the gift of Christ is for everyone, that you don't have to be a certain kind of person, rather that Jesus has died for absolutely everyone. That is a Catholic message. It is for everyone. And so we welcome everyone. Another way that we're Catholic is that you know, we believe that we belong to a church that is bigger than just the American church. We belong to a church that spreads across the globe. The Bible talks about how the, the church is for every nation, tribe, and language, uh, that we're for everyone. That, and so we have brothers and sisters across the globe that we will spend eternity with who don't speak our language and don't look like us, and yet we are bound together in Christ and we will spend eternity with these brothers and sisters. We are, we are Catholic in that way. Another way that we're, we're Catholic as you, as you think about this is that, is that we are bigger than any denomination. We're bigger than any sort of institution. We're bigger than any division we may put up in this kind of way. We're bigger than any specific theological claims outside of the Lordship of Jesus because that's really what binds us together. And so we're Catholic because we belong to a church of, of different stripes and different uh, doctrine and different uh, theology because we are, we are Catholic like that. Um, about, I don't know, once a month or every other month or so, we have this uh, lunch that we have for new uh, folks to Schweitzer and it's called All In. If you're new to sh the church, I hope you'll join us. I really enjoy meeting people there and, and sharing about the church. And that's what we do at this lunch is we share about the church, who we are and how to get involved. And one of the things I share at this lunch every time with, with new folks is I, I talk about how Schweitzer is Catholic. I don't use that word, of course, but that's how I describe it, that we are a church that has people from all kinds of backgrounds that come together and we can find common fellowship and faith because, you know, we are bound under Christ. And so I, I tell people, we are a church, Schweitzer is a church in the, the Methodist tradition. So we have a certain way of doing things in our church that is our way. Infant baptism, open communion, things like that. That's, you know, how we do things. But then I say to folks, you may come from a church of a different tradition and your different tradition may have done things differently than us. And we're not here to say that our tradition is the right kind of way. It's just simply our way. Like our way of doing church isn't the only way. It's just it's just our way. So you may have come from a different church, different doctrine, different background. It does it differently. And that's good. We affirm that. We are in fellowship with them because the church is not about a denomination. It's not about an institution. It is, it is about being bound together in Christ. And so one of the things I say at that lunch is I say this. I say, um, in heaven, listen, there's not going to be any Methodist. There's not going to be any Baptist or any Presbyterians, or any Lutherans, or any Assemblies, or any Catholics, or whatever, whatever word you want to uh, say for any denomination, because in heaven, there's just, there's just Christians. I mean, this is who we are. We are bound together in Christ. And so to be Catholic is to affirm that we belong to something that is so much bigger than us. And it's not about a denomination. It's not about an institution. It is about how Jesus binds us together with other believers. Then there's another way we're Catholic. That might be a little diff more uh, different to, to think through, but while we are bound together with the believers, we're not just bound together with the believers around the world who speak different languages and live in different nations. We're also bound together with the church eternal. As we say in the Apostles' Creed, that we believe in the communion of saints. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12, listen to how this describes this. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. It's a really important phrase, great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 follows 
I mean, you guessed it, Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, if you've never read it before, is a lengthy chapter that essentially describes person after person after person from the Old Testament who had incredible faith, great uh, courage and conviction, lived faithfully to the Lord. Um, and then in Hebrews chapter 12, you turn the page and you, you go from these incredible examples to this line about how we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Because we are not just surrounded by one another. We're not just surrounded by churches across our city, our state, our nation, our world, but we are also bound together with the church eternal because the church is forever. The people of God are forever. And the gift that we have is for eternal life. And so I find it so incredible. And I, I just love this image that when Hebrews 12 describes the church eternal, it describes it as this race that we're running. And, and we have these people who are cheering us on and pulling for us and rooting for us. And this is what we have with the witness of the saints who have gone before us, that, that we are part of this thing that is for all of God's people who belong to him. And it's like this race where you're pushing yourself forward, surrounded by all of the support and encouragement. And I just, I just love that. One of my hobbies for the last um, ah, four years or so has been running marathons. My wife routinely tells me it's a stupid hobby to be into, and she's right. But I, I've gotten into running marathons. I've ran several last few years. I'm going to do another one in April. And and in Chicago, or last fall, I ran a, a big race in Chicago, big marathon in Chicago. There's like 35, 40,000 people who run this race, a 26.2 mile race. And I, I got to the last eight miles of it and I just fell apart. Like it went awful. I mean, I had to walk almost all of the last of it. And so I got out of this race and I thought to myself, I need to do something different. Something's got to change because that was not the result that I was going for. And so one of the things I did is I started to look for a group. And I found this group of people who are really faster than me. And I started to run with them about five days a week. And, I, and I'd, it had been so long since I have done anything like that with a group of people that I'd forgotten how helpful it was to be with other people who want the same goal and are working towards the same thing. And I'd forgotten about how encouraging it is, and how much accountability there is. Because sometimes in life you do your own thing. So I was training for these marathons by myself, running by myself. And then I got involved in this group of people and I discovered this whole other level of encouragement and accountability. And as I've done this, I can't help but think, what an incredible metaphor for the church. Because this is how it is for all of us that while we're living our individual relationships with God, we don't just live our individual relationships with God. If we want to do anything or follow him in any significant way, it's going to take other people. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You need other people to do anything in your life, including follow the Lord. So a few weeks ago, as we started this series, we talked about what biblical faith means. And we talked about biblical faith when we say, I believe. It's not just that we're saying, uh, that we think certain things or that we affirm certain things, but rather that biblical faith, what it really means is that we live a certain way, that we live what it is that we say we believe. And when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, we're not saying that we just think certain things about the church, but rather we're saying that we're going to live a certain way in relationship to the church. And so if we affirm that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're affirming that we're going to belong to people, to the people of God, the people that God has given us to walk in fellowship with, to study the Bible with, to pray with, to break bread with, as we read in Acts chapter 2, that this is what he wants for us. This is why I, I don't think you can really follow the Lord with any sort of faithfulness and not be engaged in a local church. Because while we believe in a Catholic church that's for absolutely everyone that stretches across the globe, the way that that's really lived out 
is in a local setting. If you wanna grow in your relationship with the Lord, if you wanna grow in your sense of purpose and meaning and the difference that you're making in this world, listen, you've gotta be engaged in a church. You've gotta be engaged in a way that you are known and others know you. You've gotta be engaged in a way that you are praying for people and they're praying for you. You've gotta be engaged where you're sharing your tithes, your offerings, your resources, your gifts, your ministry to other people, that you are engaged in giving just as much as you are in receiving, that you've gotta be engaged in this if you wanna grow in any sort of way because this is the gift that God has given to you. And it's not always perfect. There's difficulty, there's challenges. It's not always great on the outside. Sometimes you gotta choose with willful faith to lean into that fellowship and that relationship. But this is what God has given us, that together we are gonna grow into the people that God wants us to be. And this is what we mean when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Today, as we close, we're gonna close just like we have the last few weeks. And then we're gonna say a prayer together and then we're going to share together in this confession of faith that we call the Apostles' Creed. So let's join together in prayer. And so, Father, today we give you thanks for this gift of the church that you have given to us. Help us to grow and to follow you, to engage, to find relationships, uh, to, to be known and to know you, because, Lord, this is the gift that you've offered to us. For any of us, maybe who we've been kind of sitting on the back or maybe we've been disengaged, maybe because of COVID we've been disengaged, God, would you stir us to, to begin to think about how we need to re-engage your people in relationship and teaching and fellowship and small groups and giving in all kinds of ways that are really gonna grow us in the people that you have because we believe in the church, the gift that you have offered to us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. So friends, if you would, join with me as we affirm our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. And we say together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today in this worship service. We hope you've been encouraged. We hope you've grown deeper in your faith. We hope that there's something here that helps you, encourages you, and leads you further in the walk with Christ. We also want to give thanks to people like Stephanie and our production team of Alec and Taylor and the band that helped lead us in worship. We want to give thanks to Spencer for that message. If something helped you, spoke to you, we encourage you to take a moment and share this with your friends, family, people around you that could be encouraged by this message. We look forward to seeing you next week with week eight, the final installment on the Apostles' Creed. It's going to be great. We hope and pray that you have a great week. If you'd like to know more about Athanasius, just ask me. I love this dude. Love what he gave to us. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Savior, 
Since here, your blood was spilled.